Doug and Lana and their family are away at uh, Family Day at Camp Deer Run with Drew and Allie this week, uh, or this weekend. Um, so uh, I'm filling in uh, for him. Last Sunday, Doug closed out our series on Modern Day Saints. Uh, and if you weren't here for that, I'd encourage you uh, to go online, listen to uh, the recording of uh, that sermon and the closeout of uh, that series. You're also uh, encouraged uh, to uh, pick up the, uh, the picture. If you brought a picture of yourself or a loved one and uh, post it up on the wall, you're encouraged to uh, collect those. Uh, as a part of the closeout of that, uh, spoiler alert if you weren't here, uh, when you pick up your photo, you will find uh, Doug made copies of all of those, uh, and on that copy, uh, he inserted a halo uh, over everyone to remind us of uh, our identity as saints, as followers of Christ, and as uh, the apostles referred to the believers in their letters uh, as saints, uh, and today we are uh, modern-day saints as uh, those followers of Christ today. Uh, so I encourage you to pick up uh, those pictures if you haven't already and uh, listen to uh, that closeout of that series uh, if you haven't done that or if you weren't here. Uh, next Sunday, Doug will be uh, back and he will uh, be kicking off a new series, uh, so be sure to be here uh, for that as well. So this week is kind of a in-between kind of standalone sermon, but it has some tie into both uh, the series we just finished, or especially last week, uh, as well as uh, some reflections of the series that is to come. Um, and so uh, we're just going to kind of crack off into this. Uh, last week, as Doug was talking about the importance of togetherness, uh, and his reference to the fact that any time that it mentions, or just about every single time, that it mentions the saints, the believers, the church, the body, uh, it's plural. It's a group. They're together to the saints, uh, the gathering. Uh, and the importance of we are called as believers, we are created as social beings to be in relationship uh, with God and with one another. Uh, and it's important, it's vital to our uh, relationship with God that we commune together, that we encourage one another, that we build one another up. Uh, and as he was uh, referencing several scriptures that, uh, that talk about the fact of our togetherness, this body, this connectedness that we have through Christ, it reminded me um, of uh, my very first object lesson in youth ministry. Uh, back uh, when I had hair um, and was cutting my teeth in student ministry. Um, I don't know if the journey through student ministry has anything to do with the reduction of hair, um, but it probably didn't help anything. Uh, so uh, it was based on Paul's words uh, to the Corinthians uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to turn there, uh, we're going to be reading a... Uh, a big chunk of, of chapter 12 uh, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, so starting in uh, chapter 12, verse 12, uh, Paul says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, 
whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given uh, the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We have been called to one baptism into one body to be filled with one spirit. We have been called to work together because we are stronger together. We utilize each other's strengths and we carry each other's weaknesses just as a body works together as one unit to function. The feet and the legs working together to carry the, tor the torso and the hands and the arms working in ways that the feet and legs cannot. Neither one can consider itself better than the other because they each serve in a specific way doing things that the other cannot, or at least not nearly as well or as easily. Paul reiterates this idea in the verses that follow, continuing in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, I love the writings of Paul. Uh, many of my life verses, my go-to places in Scripture for words of wisdom uh, in different situations come from the writings of Paul. Uh, I love the way that he, uh, like Jesus, uses those object lessons, uh, taking something uh, that is ordinary, something that is regular, something that we're all used to, and applying it to uh, our spiritual life. Uh, we have the armor of God, the body uh, of the church, um, in the same way that Jesus used the mustard seed and the fishing uh, and all of those things to say, here is something to remember this lesson by. And now um, I want to, um, as we look at uh, this visual that Paul sets up for us, I want us to think a little bit outside the box and expand upon it just a bit, if you will. Um, not saying that Paul uh, got it wrong, um, would not for sure say that, um, but I think that I think it could be taken a step further. I think it could be expounded upon if we use our creativity and think a little bit. Uh, now, Paul, uh, to his credit, is not overly specific about the body. 
but I would dare to say that uh, any of us, when we've heard this verse, uh, whether we've heard it a hundred times or the first time this morning, uh, would almost guarantee that everybody thought of the human body uh, when talking about uh, the body of, of Christ. That would be our go-to. That would be the norm. But this morning, um, I want us to look at this object lesson from uh, another uh, standpoint, with another body in mind. So instead of the human body, uh, I want us to apply this lesson uh, to a different thing. I want us to apply this to a chicken. So, um, I also learned early on in my object lesson days that it is extremely dangerous and many unknowns when using live animals for object lessons. Uh, and so, uh, this rubber chicken will be standing in for a live chicken, uh, but uh, you get the idea. Uh, so, uh, as we uh, look at the chicken as the body, um, I want us to think, you know what a chicken looks like. Um, I want us to think a little bit deeper into what the body of Christ would look like through, through a chicken. Uh, now, starting with, uh, with feathers. Now, this is the downside of using a rubber chicken versus a live chicken because a rubber chicken doesn't come with feathers. Uh, but a live chicken would have uh, feathers on it, and you know what a chicken looks like covered in feathers. Now, feathers are important to a chicken in the same way um, the feather people of the church are important to the body here. The feathers cover and protect the body. They cover and protect the skin from the hazardous rays of the sun. They insulate and warm the body in the cold weather. Now, with many birds, uh, feathers also assist with flight, but chickens aren't known for their great flying skills. Uh, but the wings and the feathers do work together to help a chicken make a speedy getaway uh, or to add some stability uh, or to, uh, to give it uh, a little bit of an idea of what flight might feel like for a short uh, stint. Um, the legs, like our legs, are foundational. They're strong. They bring support as well as provide the ability for the chicken to move. It can't fly, but it can walk. It can get about on its legs. The talons act as roots, keeping things grounded and stable, uh, able to, uh, to hold on to and cling and root itself, protect itself. Uh, you can continue down this almost endless rabbit trail of comparisons, uh, but I trust that you can all do that with all of the different parts of the chicken body, just as you've done growing up. Uh, thinking of the human body and that aspect of the lungs and the heart and uh, all of the operation of the body and the way that each member of the church can fill a part of that body of bringing in that new air or pumping the lifeblood through. Uh, and you can think of those people growing up, those people around you, and even the position that you serve. What type of a body part are you serving in as a part of this body? But uh, for the sake of time, uh, we'll jump ahead to the fun part where the chicken really takes uh, the spotlight in this analogy. Um, analogy is the word I was trying to think of the entire time that I was typing this out. Um, there we go. Uh, so, 
Uh, that's, that's what you get when you get a sermon from a youth minister in between mission trips. Uh, so, brain dead. Um, that's okay. Uh, so, uh, for this we need to flip over to Colossians uh, 1.18, where it clarifies and takes this idea of the body uh, of the church even further, where it clarifies, it says, He, being Christ, is also the head of the body, the church. So we have the body made up of many parts, all working together, one unit, directed, organized, and led by the head, which is Christ, everything being channeled through the head. Uh, The head is vital to the body, which is where uh, this chicken analogy comes into play, because without the head, the body is left Uh, as the old adage goes, to run around like a chicken with his head cut off. Um, And they will do that. Uh, We have to be careful when we begin to categorize the parts. uh, As Paul said, no part is greater than the other, and God provided the parts and organized the parts and balanced them so that one part would not put itself above another part or count itself more important or more uh, honorable than another. Uh, But all the parts are vital in their own way. Uh, And more importantly, because we do not, uh, because we tend to overlook when we start categorizing and listing, uh, we tend to forget some of the more important things, even though we think we're making a list of the big ticket items, the most important Uh, Some that should be quite obvious tend to not make the list. So if we were to think of, just for a moment, not to to be categorizing or putting one thing above the other, but uh, if you were to just off of the top of your head non-biasedly, think of the vital organs of the body. Uh, the first ones that would come to mind, of course, would be the head. That is, that is critical. Uh, but that being Christ in this analogy, we want to think of uh, the body itself. And so you have, of course, the heart and the lungs would be the next on that list. Those arteries, those vital points that if removed, if damaged, life will not continue. Uh, now, the way that God has structured our body, those vital organs are protected within a cage of bone. Uh, those things are, uh, are on the inside parts as those major arteries run to be a little more protected, less vulnerable, vulnerable because they are crucial to the continuation of life. And yet, when we start categorizing those vital parts, we tend to overlook a small but most vital part of the body. It's that little place that lies between and holds things all together. It's that part that fills the space between the body and the head. So what is it that connects the body to the head? That is, of course, the neck. This small, easily overlooked, yet powerfully important part of the body because without the neck, we lose our connection to the head, and as we discussed before, a body without a head is just running about aimlessly to its death. Even if the neck becomes injured, damaged, or broken without being completely removed, 
uh, it can cause damage, will cause damage and pain and suffering to the body. The body begins to weaken. It slows down. All the parts feel the impact of that misalignment. Joe can go into more detail of that. I went in to see him one time because I had a problem with my shoulder. I didn't have a problem with my shoulder. I had a problem with a nerve in my neck. Um, for weeks, I thought I'd torn my shoulder. It all channels through the neck. It all connects through the neck. Everything goes through the neck. And if the neck gets messed up, the whole body begins to feel it. The whole body begins to atrophy. The whole body begins to slowly uh, descend towards death. So, if we are the body and Christ is the head, what is it that holds us together? It's tricky uh, because like the body, the neck is also made up of many parts. There's a lot of things that go through the neck. There are many things that keep us connected to Christ. As Doug talked about last week, we as individual parts of the body all play an important role in keeping the whole body connected. We gather here week after week. Our purpose is to encourage and build one another up, to spur one another on. We gather here to worship, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the others that gather. So that as we pour out, others can be filled, and as they pour out, we in return are filled. Side note, if you're coming here to get yours, you've got things backwards. I love the idea of if we all came in and we had an itch on our back, but stood around refusing to scratch anyone else's back until our back was scratched, we'd all stand around with itchy backs. But if I scratch your back, you can scratch my back. If we got in a big circle, everybody could have their back scratched at the same time. And that's how it is with worship. We all worship together, pouring out everything that we have, praising God with all that we have. And all of that goes into collectively the worship that rises to the heavens. But as it goes to the heavens, it overflows and covers everybody with an earshot. And it fills everybody up. So as I sing with everything that I have, that pours out into somebody else. Enabling them to sing more with all that they have. Maybe they came in with nothing. But me pouring out was able to fill them up. That's why it's important that we sing out with everything that we have. It doesn't matter if it's your favorite song or not. Because it's somebody's favorite song. The song's not for you. The song is for God. You sing with all you have. Because collectively we're here to encourage and build one another up. It's an important role in keeping us connected. But again, we've gotten ourselves distracted. We focused on the body's role in connecting us to the head. But we're not here to talk about the body. We're here to talk about that thing that we so selfishly overlook. That is the neck. So we as the body hold each other accountable, keeping each other plugged in and connected. But what does the neck do? What is the neck in all of this? It's prayer. Prayer is that conduit. Prayer is that connection. 
We have this spirit dwelling within us, this spirit that speaks on our behalf through this conversation that we have with God. What's supposed to be an endless conversation that we have with God, constantly in contact, constantly talking, constantly conversing, constantly in relationship and communion together. Prayer keeps us connected to the head. It keeps the body in communication. It keeps everything in sync and on the right path. Without prayer, there is no connection. The head is lost and the body begins to flail about, relying only on muscle memory and blind to the fact that it is slowly dying. That's the dangerous part. The longer that we live this Christian life, the easier it is for us to be comfortable and set in our ways. The easier it is for us to become laxed in those most fundamental practices that we once had early on in our belief. The fire begins to die. It begins to grow cold. And suddenly we find ourselves missing a prayer here or there, but life continues. Life goes on. But missing one prayer time leads to another prayer time, which leads to another prayer time, and before you know it, several days have gone by, and you haven't picked up the phone and talked to your father. But life continues. And you suddenly have all of this free time to be more productive, to do more things in the world. To make more of your life because you don't have this time blocked off anymore. And life goes on and life continues. But the problem is there's no head there. The body continues to flail about. But it's going off muscle memory. It's just going through the actions. Believing that it's still alive even though there's no life left in it. And we flail about. To our slow death. We keep going through the motions, but we have no reliance on God. We get back to the focus on the body, what I can do, what I'm capable of, all that I've accomplished, even though I haven't prayed, even though I haven't talked, I've continued to do good things. I've continued to make progress, and we believe that it's all okay. But we have no reliance on the head, only on ourselves, our muscle memory to keep us going. And the longer this death march goes on, the more we start to realize and begin to see that things don't make sense anymore. We feel like we aren't getting anywhere. We feel like maybe we're just spinning our wheels all of a sudden because we are just spinning our wheels. We are running about like a chicken with their head cut off. The sad thing is that many of us eventually figure out the problem. We realize what we're missing. We figure out where the disconnect is, where the breakdown in communication happened, but we're too ashamed to fix it. 
We're terrified that if we dial it up and make that call, he won't answer. Or maybe even more so, we're terrified that he will answer. But if you find yourself in this place, remember that you're not thinking straight. Remember that you've lost your head, you've lost your mind. You're in a state of vulnerability and despair and an easy target for Satan's lies and schemes. And he so desperately wants to keep you from reopening the lines of communication, reconnecting to the head, because he knows that if you were to call on God, God would answer. And not only would he answer, but he would accept you. He would forgive you. He would heal you. He would restore you. It takes discipline to stay connected to the head, practice and work by yourself as well as the support and encouragement from the rest of the body. There's this article by a man named Henry Nowen, a minister of the word uh, and writer on spiritual disciplines, practices, exercises that we can do to keep ourselves strong and connected. Neck workouts, if you will. In this article, he makes this compelling case that churches have gotten things backwards, out of order, really, more politely said. For generations, we focused our attention on building these phenomenal ministries that would attract people to come and be a part of community, where we could then train them in their personal relationship, this solitude time with God and growing in relationship with Christ. But Henry would say that we need to turn that around. We need to flip our model over. We must each start in a place of Solitude, prayer, reflection, conversation with God, time with the Father. And then allow that solitude, that alone time with God, to draw us and to grow into a community with others who are seeking. And when you have that prayer-focused community rooted and founded on prayer and relationship with God you will find that ministry will occur. Now, this seems odd. It seems backwards. It feels like it's missing something. It seems like it wouldn't work right. People wouldn't get it. But Henry didn't come up with this on his own. He didn't just make this up. He got this model from one who came long before him, a minister who at the onset of ministry, The first thing he did was spend 40 days in the wilderness, fasting and praying. 40 days in solitude with God, strengthening himself. Making sure there was a strong bond and connection between body and head. Conversation with God for 40 days and 40 nights. After which... He was led to call together a small group of followers, a community where solitude and prayer were modeled and foundational. Every time they turned around, their leader was off in a solitude, a lonely place, praying, communing with God, strengthening the neck, strengthening the relationship, strengthening 
the communication bond. And this community, rooted and dedicated in prayer, suddenly exploded into a life-changing, a world-changing, an eternity-changing ministry that continues over 2,000 years later. Christ modeled for us how it was that we were to live And that life consisted of never-ending, open-line communication with God, prayer without ceasing. Because he knew that that to constrict the flow of life from the head to the body, even for just a second, could throw things off. To miss even a breath puts the body in tension. Puts the body on guard. He knew that that line of communication, that flow of the spirit, that flow of life had to be continuous. And therefore he spent a continuous life of prayer and connection and conversation with his father. And before and after every major event in his life, every outpouring of miracles, we find Christ in a solitude and a lonely Place praying with his father. John 17, before Christ goes to the cross, we find him praying in the garden. Praying for himself and what is about to happen. Praying for his followers and what they're about to go through. And praying for all those who would believe because of them. That's us, the church. And it all circles back to the body. His prayer for everyone was that we would be unified. He talks about his relationship with God, I and you and you and me, one body, one focus, one spirit, just as I have called my followers, I and them and them and me, and I am in you and we are unified as one body. And my one prayer, Christ says, my one prayer for the church, all that would believe would be that they would be unified. Together, just as he and the Father were connected and unified together. And our connection together is to spur one another on and to keep each other connected to the head. We each must do our own individual part, spending our own time in silence and solitude, spending our own time in conversation with God, spending our own time in focused communion with God, not talking at God, but talking with God. And anytime we're together, we must spur one another on to do the same, to keep our neck strong and connected to the head where our focus should be. I think you would find if there's anything going wrong in your life, anything amiss, as soon as you realize that, your first thought, your first instinct should be. When was the last time I prayed? When was the last time I really prayed? Not just, thank you for the food. Amen. Not just, God help me with this, goodbye. When was the last time I really sat and had a conversation? When I wasn't in trouble, when I didn't need anything. When was the last time we just talked? And if it's been a while, I would start with that. And I think you'd find a lot of those issues that you're having 
would probably start straightening themselves out because the body goes into a defensive mode when the oxygen is cut off. The body goes into a defensive mode when the neck is strained. And if it stays in that, it begins to eat itself. It begins to beat itself up. It begins to rob oxygen and blood flow and send it and redirect it. You start beating up everybody around you for all the things that they've done wrong to you. You start getting angry at people. You start getting frustrated with people. Everything that goes wrong is somebody else's fault. Because you're the most important part of the body. You need all of that remaining blood. You need all of that remaining oxygen. But when you look in yourself and realize the problem's not them, the problem is me and my connection with the head. You find that blood flow and that oxygen restores itself. You're not drowning. You're not suffocating. You're not dying any longer. And suddenly, it's much easier to commune with the people around you because you're not weighted with the guilt of your own shortcomings. We're all in this together. One body and one spirit. We all have our part to play in the body. We're all vital to the success of the body together collectively. But we are all individual parts and we all have our role to play in our connectedness to the head. As you spend today dialing those phones, spending time honoring your earthly fathers, make sure that you spend time dialing up that conversation with your heavenly father as well and reconnecting with him and start making that a part of your daily practice. Once it's a daily practice, make it an hour practice. Once it's an hour practice, make it a minute practice. Once it's an every minute practice, make it an every second practice. Leave the line open. Keep that prayer on speakerphone and just spend your day in conversation with God. And you'll find a lot of things that are out of place start to come back together and in sync and working the way that they're supposed to be. If you haven't prayed in a long time, I invite you to pray this morning. If you need somebody to pray with, there's a whole room of people who would love to pray with you. There'll be an elder in the back. There'll be uh, some people down front. Don't miss an opportunity to reconnect with the head this morning. Regain that oxygen, regain that life flow. He'll answer every time with no condemnation, with no judgment. Let's pray as we close out. Father God, we thank you for being a loving God. We thank you for being a God who is always there, a Father who is always there when we turn around, no matter how far away that we walk. You're always right there, waiting for us to turn around and come back home. You have the phone in your hand ready to answer as soon as we would just pick up and call out to you. Father, I pray 
that you would help us all to strengthen our lives of conversation with you, that we would stop judging the people around us, that we would stop hating the people around us, that we would stop being frustrated with the people around us and all the things that are going wrong in our lives and all of the blame and whose fault it is and start looking at ourselves and realizing that maybe it starts with us. Maybe we don't have our head on straight. Let us first fix our relationship with you. Let us first daily find that conversation with you, that endless life of ceaseless prayer. And Father, as we commune with you on a daily basis, May that communion with you grow into a communion with one another. And once we are unified, then we know, Father, that we will be able to work as an effective body, as an effective tool, serving your name and ministering to your lost people. Father, help us to pray more each and every day. Help us to make it that vital practice of life, that life-sustaining practice, just as we breathe, just as our heart beats. May our conversation with you never stop. We thank you so much for being our Father, for always being one. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. If there's anything we can do for you this morning, encourage you to come. Uh, don't miss this opportunity. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you in any way we can. But come while we stand and sing.